Greetings in Jesus name. Welcome to this beautiful live stream. I'm excited uh, to minister from the word of God. Um, I really believe that worship is the way to the heart of God. When we indulge in praising God, when we indulge in worshiping him, when we indulge in wanting to lift his name high, there are levels of supernatural, there are levels of God's heart, there are levels to God's presence that will be unlocked to us. There are levels to kingdom, glory, to heaven's encounters that will just open to us, especially when we become intentional at worshiping God. And I pray and I hope that in this special season, when everybody has been live streaming, when everybody has been online, all kinds of ministry has been happening online. My prayer and my heart is that everybody that is tuned in for this live stream will experience a personal and a very tangible touch from the Lord. You know, don't watch this video as just another live stream. Don't tune in just uh, for fun, just to check out the preacher or to enjoy the, the songs or to learn something and just forget it later. But come in to receive an encounter with God. Come in to receive a touch from the Lord. And if you come in like that, I promise you that you will experience something very personal and very prophetic. And at the same time, it can have a profound effect on our personal life. You know, I want to appreciate Manu and Mary who has uh, been behind this entire live stream and who has been running this worship room. I pray that the Lord will bless you guys for all of your efforts and everywhere that you minister and everything that you do. May the Lord cause you to be an example for many young people to follow, for many young people to walk after, for many young people to receive Jesus and receive encounters with Jesus and, and to experience His presence and power in a personal way. You know, I, uh, I haven't able, been able to spend a lot of time with them personally, but every time they touched me and update me of what God is doing and what they have been venturing into, I mean, it's, it's a total joy to know what uh, the the way in which God has been molding their hearts and and if you can imitate these guys and if you can walk after them I'm telling you they will be a blessing for you and they will be a blessing for your church and they will be a blessing to your city and uh, this evening I'd like to just spend uh, some time reading a couple of scriptures and bringing the kind of insights that um, you know thrill my spirit and God has been speaking to me and correcting me about you know and sometimes when we read the scripture all that we are looking for is promises all that we are looking for are things that help us pray better and want to thank God for but we are not necessarily looking for corrections but today even as we are talking about worship it's necessary for us to identify everything that stops us from worship and if you read the scripture, especially in the Old Testament, a majority of the Old Testament is dedicated at getting people's worship fixed. And, you know, they are the books of the prophets and especially all the historical books in the Old Testament. You would find these guys running after worshipping idols and then the servants of God will come and start teaching them about true worship 
and the servants of God will come and start exposing all false worship and idol worship and all those things that are stealing their hearts away from God. And you know, in this particular season, I've been reading the book of Ezekiel and I feel that uh, the heartbeat of God is so personally revealed in the book of Ezekiel. And at some points, God is feeling so betrayed by these people who are worshipping idols that God says, hey, this is like committing adultery. You know, I was supposed to have a personal, intimate relationship with you, but your idol worship has caused you to uh, pledge your faithfulness to somebody else. And in fact, even in prostitution, somebody pays you to uh, be intimate with you but here you guys are where you are paying the your lovers to be intimate with you and and that is the the sad part about your worship you know when you're worshiping these idols you are sacrificing your life and there are so many things that you you are willing to compromise and give up on some of your marriages are at stake. Some of your finances are at stake. You're paying a high price with your ministry. You're paying a high price with your health. And still, you're not willing to fit your idol worship. And what I want to do tonight is to read the book of Ezekiel, chapter 8. Now, we should understand that today is the Pentecost Sunday. You know, today is the day when... Uh, Jews would consider this day as the Pentecost and and this is the day that we remember what happened in Acts chapter 2 see we are very keen and ready and receptive and we want to see Acts chapter 2 repeat in our day and time but what we don't want to do is to come to a place where we set ourselves apart from everything that contaminates our life, everything that adulterates our life, everything that causes there to be a divided loyalty in our life and keep, keep all those things away. You know, these disciples that received this fresh outpouring from God's presence were those that set themselves apart from everything that was disturbing them, everything that was uh, causing them to fall in love with those things. Even their desire to go back fishing, they had to give up that, they had to give up their families, they had to give up their uh, conveniences. In fact, they were all locked up in one home, one room for 10 long days. And that is where God encountered them. And I pray and I hope that this season, even as we've been locked up in our homes, even as we've been constricted by the pandemic and by the struggles and the challenges around us, that we will not use this time to just you know, feed our flesh. We will not use this time to just take life as uh, it comes and just not, not learning from it and not doing anything about it. Instead, we will use this opportunity we will take this time to intentionally invest into our worship intentionally invest into our devotion intentionally invest into our love for god so that we can grow in our desire and our love and our encounter with god let me read ezekiel chapter 8 for you the bible says then on September 17, this is the New Living Translation, that is why you would see these dates. It says, then on September 17th, during the sixth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, while the leaders of Judah were in my home, the sovereign Lord took hold of me. 
And you know, you would see this phrase several times through the book of Ezekiel and even other prophets in the Old Testament like Jeremiah and Isaiah. You would find them being taken hold of by God. And it says that at this particular time, in this particular season, the sovereign Lord took hold of me. Let me prophesy this over you. You know, with the change of date, with us entering into May 31st, with us getting out of this season of, you know, being waiting for Pentecost, we are entering into a season, into a particular preparation and a readiness to, uh, to set ourselves up for that place where the Lord is going to take hold of us. Some of us may be ready for it. Some of us may not be ready for it. But let me tell you, the Lord is about to take hold of someone. The Lord is about to take hold of some of us. The Lord is about to take hold of some of our lives and our careers and our businesses. And sometimes when the Lord takes hold of you, it may not look pleasant. It may look like it is a rejection to you. It may look like it is uh, that something has been taken away from you, that something has been denied to you. You know, we have been talking about Dr. Ravi Zacharias in this last one week, since the time that he passed away, all the way to his Memorial Day. Uh, all the social media posts and quotes and everything had been about him. So I happened to hear one of his stories that just blessed me so much. Um, and he was talking about how when he was in his 20s, he uh, aced the test. You know, usually, you know, when he was growing up, he was not really good at studies. But there was this one season in life when he started to become so good at academics and he aced the test to enter into the Indian Air Force. And, and he had cleared everything. He had called his family and he told them, hey, guess what? I have cleared the exams. It's just one last uh, psychological evaluation after which I will get the letter of appointment and I can join the Indian Air Force for training and, and I can serve the Indian Air Force. And, uh, and he was already, and he had already told his parents that in so many days I will board a train and come to Delhi. And, and here he is, he's attending the last exam or the last evaluation before he leaves back for his home. And his story goes on to say how this interviewer, he spoke to him very kindly, very nicely. And finally, he told him, guess what? Um, you are not psychologically fit for killing. This job that you're entering into, this requires for you to kill people. But I don't think you're psychologically fit for killing. You're a brilliant man. You're intelligent. You're good at all forms and all ways. But in this one thing, this job is not for you. And here was Dr. Ravi, a young man. He was so disappointed, so hurt, so upset that uh, this, got, this door got shut. And in fact, you know, if he would have gotten that job, he would have had to commit the next 20 to 30 years of his life to serving the Indian Air Force. And because that one particular door got shut, you know, he was able to move abroad and that is where he began to pursue his Bible studies and that's where he became the man that was to evangelize and reach out to the entire world in such a profound and a great manner. Now, 
looking back at it, we know that that day when God took hold of his life and God shut that door for him, that had to be for his blessing and that had to be for the blessing of so many people around the world who had to receive from this man. But at that point, at that juncture, when that young man was facing that closed door, that didn't look pleasant for him. That didn't look very appealing for him. Now, when the Lord takes hold of some of you in this season, let me tell you, it may not be very easy for you to uh, take it. But if you will let the Lord have the final say, if you will let the Lord have the last say in all your choices and all your decisions, I'm telling you, you are setting yourself up to experience something beautiful in life. The Bible says that the Lord took hold of Ezekiel. Why did God do that? Because God wanted to show him something. God wanted to show him some flaws. Sometimes when God takes hold of us, it will be to give us an encounter of who he is. Sometimes when God takes hold of us, it will be to uh, take us to the next level of our walk with him and our ministry or our careers or our marriage, relationships. Sometimes when God takes hold of us, it is so that he can expose some hidden uh, sins, some dark secrets, some challenges, some brokenness that are within us. And in this particular story, God does both. God gives him an encounter with himself and at the same time that encounter leads him to a place where he can see his failures, he can see the brokenness of the people around him. Let's read on. The Bible says, verse 2, I saw a figure that appeared to be a man. From what appeared to be his waist down, he looked like a burning flame and from the waist up, he looked like gleaming amber. Here is Ezekiel, the prophet, having an encounter with Jesus, the son of man. And the Bible says that he saw a figure and this figure looked like a man. And from his waist down, he looked like a burning flame and his waist up looked like gleaming amber. Now, let me explain this to you, okay? If you had to heat gold to, to a level, to a degree where it purifies and it begins to glow and it begins to shine, it reaches a place where it will look almost like fire. It will look almost like this golden flame where it will be liquid and it will be fluid and it will be transparent and you can see through it and you can see yourself and, and it becomes so beautiful. And that's the picture that we see here. And it says that what he saw was a burning flame below the waist and a gleaming amber above him. When John the Baptist gave us a revelation of this Jesus, when John the Baptist prophesied to us about Jesus, we see him telling us, hey, I baptize you with fire, but in just a little time, there is somebody who is coming and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This is Jesus. He is a man on fire. He's a man who is burning flame himself. He's a man who is carrying gleaming amber all over himself and one touch from him over your life, I'm telling you, you will be baptized by fire.
It is not enough that we be baptized with water. It is not enough that we be baptized with uh, just, you know, physical water. It is necessary that in this season, we will allow Jesus to come and take over our lives and we will allow Jesus to baptize us with fire, with fire, with fire. You know, we don't understand this principle of uh, baptism because the word baptism today is a very religious term. But back in the day when these apostles wrote the scripture and when John the Baptist started talking about baptism, baptism or baptist is more of a commercial term. You know, the, the cloth, today we have cloth in different colors, but back in the day, you don't get cloth in all kinds of colors. You have to dye the cloth. And how they would do it is they would take a piece of white cloth that they would have... Uh, you know, stitched and, you know, uh, made and then they would dip it into a dye of a particular color. And when it comes out, let's say that the color, the dye color is purple. When, when the cloth comes out, the cloth will look purple in color. And that process was called baptism. Now, when we talk about baptism, we talk about it as a religious event that happens once in a lifetime. And here it is something where the cloth takes on the color of the thing that it was baptized into. Now, the Lord is fire. He is a consuming fire. And He is fire below His waist and above His waist. And He is inviting us into a baptism into Himself who is fire and the bible says that when we are baptized into fire that we are baptized by this consuming fire we will take on the properties of this fire we will look like that too our lives will be set on fire now now the enemy will not have access into our life our life we will not live neither hot nor cold lukewarm christian lives but we will be so full of the holy spirit that we will be so full of the fire of god that we will be so full of this gleaming amber from the furnace of heaven that sin will have no place in our life that Jealousy will have no place in our life, that no kinds of character faults, no kinds of sicknesses will be allowed, no kinds of the enemy's presence or his influence will be allowed in our life. That is where God is inviting us into. You know, before God can expose our flaws, God is exposing us to himself. And he is telling us, hey guys, let me tell you this. I'm going to point out to you where you're going wrong but before i point out to you where you're going wrong let me tell you how to get rid of those mistakes let me tell you how to fix those areas of your life it is by being baptized into me it is by being baptized into this fire our god is a consuming fire and if you are baptized by that fire I'm telling you, you will not be consumed, but every impurity in you will be consumed. Every unholiness in you will be consumed. Everything that is not of God in you shall be consumed if you will be baptized into this Jesus, into this uh, baptizer of fire, into this gleaming amber, into this burning flame. You know, Moses saw this vision one day when he was out with the flock. He saw this vision, not a vision. He saw this physically, literally. 
It says that he saw a bush that was on fire, but that bush was not being consumed. Isn't that beautiful? And, and I believe that that is where, that is a picture of how God wants to fill us. That he will set us on fire and yet he will not destroy us. And yet he will not kill us. But he will want to consume everything in us that doesn't represent him. He would want to consume everything in us that doesn't reflect him. Everything in us that doesn't look like him. And like it or not, we all have those things in our life. Nobody is perfect. No pastor is perfect. No worship leader is perfect. No husband is perfect. No wife, no child. No matter how small that child is, guess what? I am a father of two and I know that children have their faults. Children have sins. Everybody have their own struggles. And each and every one of us, we need this baptism of fire on a daily basis to be able to walk pure, to be able to walk free, to be able to walk different and to be able to walk separate from the things of this world. The Bible says, this man, he reached out what seemed to be a hand and took me by the hair. This Jesus, he, he held Ezekiel by his hair and took him up. And it says, then the spirit lifted me up into the sky and transported me to Jerusalem in a vision from God. Now, prophet Ezekiel was not in Jerusalem. He was a prophet in captivity. He was not in the land of Israel. He was in Babylon. And that is where he's seeing this vision. And the Bible says, in the spirit realm, he was transported into Jerusalem. And it says, I was taken to the north gate of the inner courtyard of the temple. And when I reached that temple, it says, there was a large idol there that made the Lord very jealous. Couple of things let me point out before we talk about the idol. One, the Lord took hold of Ezekiel. And how did God take hold of him? He took hold of him by his hair. Hair in the Old Testament is a very powerful symbol. For Samson, that is where his covenant, his uh, being set apart for God uh, was in his hair. The fact that no razor had touched his hair. His strength was not in his hair, but his sacred devotion to God was symbolized in his hair. The fact that nobody has access to Samson's life the way God has that was in his hair. Now, if you study the concept of hair in the Bible, the, 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 the hair was given to us as a covering, as, a, as something that will cover you. You know, there was this one story in the Bible that it talks about Elisha, that when he came out, there were some little children that looked at Elisha and they started calling him bald man, bald man, bald man. And they were started making fun of him. And the Bible says, Elisha, that man that he was, he called out for bears to come and devour these little children. Now, when we read that story, we find that to be very mean. We will say, man, why would this man do something so disastrous, so bad? They are little children. They don't understand. They, they have no idea what they are saying and they are, they are just having fun. 
why would you get these guys killed because they called you bald? But you know what you should understand is that there was a deeper meaning behind that whole concept. See, hair was given to us for a covering and it was symbolic of the covering upon Elisha's life. Now what had happened just in the previous few chapters was that Elisha's covering or Elisha's master or Elisha's leader or Elisha's spiritual father was taken away and he was almost feeling left alone and without any help and without a covering over his life and when those children when they were making fun of him being bald they were not necessarily talking about his physical baldness they were making fun of the fact that hey you do not have a covering over your life you do not have a mentor you do not have a father you do not have anybody over your life and that is why it provoked Elisha to the place where he was like, no, you speak against me, I'm going to forgive you. But you speak against my covering, you speak against the one who has kept his hand upon my life, I'm not going to allow that. I'm not going to forgive that. And that is why Elisha acted on that. Even when Paul talks about hair and the covering on your head in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, he talks about how hair is supposed to be for a covering and here we see that the Lord when he wanted to take hold of Ezekiel and transport him into the place where he will speak to him personally he took hold of him by his hair so this morning this evening whenever you're watching this video whenever you're listening to this audio if you do not have a covering over your life if you are not submitting to a man of God over your life, if you are not submitting to a leader in your own personal life, I'm telling you, you are in a dangerous territory because there is nothing left on your life for God to take hold of and take you into your destiny. See, God could have held Ezekiel by his hand. He could have held Ezekiel by his chest, whatever. But he chose to hold him by his hair, by the one thing that was given to him as his covering. And I promise you that there are several things that God has in store for you. And if you do not have a covering over your life, if you rebel against your covering, if you remain disconnected from your covering, if you remain uh, in a place where you are not willing to honor your covering, or if you are not willing to acknowledge your covering, I'm telling you that it will become very difficult for the Lord to take you into a place of encounters. It will be hard for the Lord to take you to a place where He can open up things and, and, and seasons and, and, and supernatural portals over your life. I'm not saying that if you don't have a pastor or a mentor, then God wouldn't use you. I'm not saying that. There are several examples in the Bible where there are people who did not have a leader over their lives, but God still used them. And because they did not have a leader over their life, they went wrong and they failed miserably. You know, you would see these amazing kings in the Old Testament where they had an amazing mentor for example Josiah it says he had an amazing mentor and 
when that mentor passed away, it, in fact the scripture says, this guy served God diligently till the days of his mentor was over. When his mentor passed away, his mentor was not even a king, his mentor was just a priest. But when his mentor passed away, it says from that day onwards his life was downhill. From that day onwards, it was not very prosperous for him. Multiple times you would find this in the Bible where there was tremendous potential on the lives of this amazing man and woman of God. And yet when they disconnected from their covering, when they disconnected from their hair, from when they disconnected from what God had planned for their lives, they disconnected from their destiny in several ways and I pray and I hope that that will not be your story it says finally when the Lord could take hold of Ezekiel by his hair that is when the Spirit of God came it says suddenly the Spirit of God came and transported me into Jerusalem there is going to be a suddenly moment as you continue to submit to your covering, as you continue to remain under your covering and under the leaders and the pastors that God has blessed you with. There will come a point, there will come a suddenly moment in your life where suddenly you will be transported into the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, you will be transported, you will be taken into a place of deep personal encounter with God, with the things of God. And the Bible says, and the Lord took him to a place where he was now in the temple in Jerusalem. And then there was a large idol there. And the Bible says that large idol made the Lord very jealous. Now, I find that very confusing. See, this is God we are talking about, right? Can an idol make God jealous? Like this idol, it doesn't even speak. It cannot do any miracles. You know, usually you get jealous of something that has a competition with you. If something is in your level, you know, you don't, you don't get jealous of something that is inanimate and something that can never in a hundred million years take your place. You don't get jealous of those things. So God's problem, in my opinion, was not with this idol. God's problem was with the people that were loving these idols, that were worshipping these idols, that were honoring these idols, that were spending more time with these idols than they were spending time with God. And I'm telling you that so often we may not see this, we may not call these people, these things that we worship as idols. You know, we, we live in a pantheistic society where there are several gods and goddesses and they worship all types of idols. And we think that just because we do not have a physical idol in our house that we are not like them and that and that we do not have an idol in our lives and here it says that this idol was in the temple and this is a group of people that were actually worshiping god that they knew the commandments of god and the and even though they they served god from their uh, from from their with their lips and their songs and everything the bible says Ezekiel saw that in fact inside the temple they were not actually worshipping God they were worshipping a large idol and that made God very jealous now this idol the first idol was very large it was 
obvious it was not easy to be ignored okay this particular idol was was there for everybody to see and it's necessary the first idol that we need to get rid of in our lives are these large idols that are that are very evident you know it's easier to get rid of these ones because it's obvious that this is your temptation it's obvious that this is your worship it's obvious and it's harder to take those small idols off of your life which nobody notices and nobody acknowledges and it's hidden away in the corners of our heart but the large ones it's easier to identify and take away and the bible says this idol it made the lord very jealous Verse 4, suddenly the glory of the God of Israel was there just as I had seen it before in the valley. Now suddenly Ezekiel is seeing the glory of God. I want us to remember there are several things that we see here. Verse 1, you see the Lord took hold of him. So we see the hand of God, the same hand of God that took hold of him by his hair and lifted him up. And then we see the spirit or the breath of God that transported him into Jerusalem. And now here we see the glory of God which came upon that place suddenly in the split of a second. That glory just manifested. And the Bible says, then the Lord said to me, son of man, look toward the north. So I looked and there to the north, beside the entrance to the gate, near the altar, stood the idol that made the Lord so jealous. In fact, when God spoke to him, when God showed him, God gave him directions and God said, hey, look in that direction. And as soon as he looked in that direction, his eyes were open and he could see the idol that made the Lord so jealous. So right now, I am going to prophesy over you just like the Spirit of God came and the glory of God came and the voice of God said to Ezekiel saying, look to the north. I'm going to prophesy over your spirit right now. Look to the north. Look into this direction and may every idols in your life, may everything that you're depending on with your life, may it be exposed right now and may you be able to see those things that have become objects of your worship, that has become objects of your love, that has become objects of your devotion right now. Let them be exposed. In the mighty name of Jesus, wherever you are tuning in from, wherever you are listening from, right now, may you experience that glory encounter that will expose every idols in your life. Yes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, we love you, Holy Spirit. Let me know in the comments if you're being touched by the Lord. I'd love to read them and know what God is doing in your life right now. The Bible says, where sits son of man, he said, do you see what they are doing? Do you see the detestable sins this people of Israel are committing? And, and he says, they are doing this to drive me from my temple. But come and you will see even more detestable sins than these. So what God is telling Ezekiel is that this sin of idol worship, this sin of hosting these other idols in the temple, in the presence of God is so grievous that it is equivalent to wanting to drive me away, wanting to drive my presence out of this place, wanting to drive me out of the temple. And it is necessary that as a family, as a church, we will become intentional at 
at hosting his presence and not driving his presence out of our lives. Now, let me read the next verse. It says in verse 7, Then he brought me to the door of the temple courtyard, where I could see a hole in the wall. Then he said to me, Son of man, dig into the hole. So I dug into the wall and found a hidden doorway. Verse 9, Go in, he said, and see the wicked and detestable sins that they are committing in there. So I went in and I saw the walls covered with engravings of all kinds of crawling animals and detestable creatures. I also saw the various idols worshipped by the people of Israel. Verse 11, 70 leaders of Israel were standing there with Jezaniah, son of Shaphan, in the center. Each of them held an incense burner from which a cloud of incense rose above their heads. Here is the Lord telling Ezekiel, saying, Hey, look, I will show you this hole in the wall. And, and he showed him that hole in the wall and he said, Now it's your job to dig into this hole. And Ezekiel started doing that. He started digging in. And, and it would have taken some time. It was not like, you know, the previous one where immediately he was transported into the temple and, and he saw this large idol. In the second instance, the Bible says he had to do some hard work. As soon as he saw a tiny hole, he used that tiny hole to start digging up into that place. And the more he dug up, the more it became relevant and, and it became understandable that there is a hidden doorway behind this. And finally, they reached a place where there was a hidden doorway. And this took a period of time. And it says, finally, he reached this place where the walls were filled with engravings on all the sides. And then the Bible says, he saw 70 leaders of Israel that were worshipping these engravings on these walls and, 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 were, and were, you know, burning incense on, uh, on in, in this place, in these secret places, in these hidden places. Now, the second type of idols, if you have to have an understanding of those idols in your life, those worship stealers in your life, it will require a little bit of digging. It will require for you to uh, explore every holes in your life. You know, when you see a hole, don't just, you know, try to cover that hole up with some mud and, and say that, okay, this shouldn't be like this. No, no, no. When you see a hole, you dig deeper. You go crazy. You attack that hole with everything in you. You know, when I uh, leave this church here in Bangalore, there are several people that come and sit with me for counseling and receiving help and, and when somebody comes and exposes an area of their life we know that that is just a hole that we are seeing like for example when somebody comes and sits with us and says hey i am addicted to pornography or this is my biggest temptation or this is my biggest challenge that is not just a hole that we have to cover it's very easy for us to teach them how to abstain from pornography and how to uh, put the right kind of systems in place and just cover this hole up. But indeed, the covering of that hole is not going to bring a permanent freedom. 
If you want permanent freedom from your challenges, from your problems, it is necessary that you dig up those holes and you go crazy and you keep digging, digging, digging and go to that place where you see the doorway and you open those doors and then you see those idols that are being worshipped in the depths of your soul, the, the things that are being engraved in your heart. Some of those things may be engraved in your heart when you were still in your mother's womb, when you did not have any memory, things that you do not have any recollection of, those things that are engraved in the depths of your soul. Right now, I'm praying and I'm declaring this over your life that there shall be a supernatural grace in this season to, to, to go and dig into your holes. You know, my time is almost up. But I'm going to declare this over your life that, that this season, you will not take this season easy. That you will go crazy at digging up those holes in your life and going crazy and, and wanting to get to the root of every problem. Wanting to get to the root of every challenge and, and finding those hidden doorways in your spirit. Finding those doorways that are allowing the enemy to come in and, and steal your worship from God. That are making God jealous. That is, that is stealing your devotion from God in this season. I pray that you will expose even those areas to this man on fire. To this consuming fire. And as this consuming fire takes hold of those areas of your life, I am telling you, that your life will be purified and cleansed inside and outside. Can I give you an assignment? Go back and read the entire chapter after you're done with this streaming. Don't just thank God for this word and go away. No, go back and read Ezekiel chapter 8 and may this word become personal and real to you. Expose, let the Lord expose every kinds of idols in your life. The Bible talks about this in in Psalm 135, it says, the idols that we make, they are like, you know, uh, they are so inanimate. And it says that they have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. They have nostrils, but they cannot smell. They, they, they have everything, but they do not have any life in them. And the Bible says, and the challenges that they that trust in these idols also end up becoming like them. And, you know, so often we may think, okay, I'm, I'm addicted to pornography. How is that an idol worship? Why is that because of an idol worship? Let me just ask you this. Who do you spend all of your time with? Who are you watching all of the time? Apart from, let's say, apart from pornography, what are the things that you watch on television? If you're going to be watching, uh, you know, people that have, that carry a spirit of lust upon them and, and they become your idols and if you're hanging out with people that are uh, completely devoid of God and completely lost in the world and they become idols in your life. If you, if you live in an environment, in a church, in a home where there is absolutely no God and, 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 and you have all these false gods and goddesses over your life, then obviously they that trust in them will become like them. Do you think that the, the guys that you idolize in your sports industry or your entertainment industry, they, they have any sense of loyalty in their lives, any sense of faithfulness in their marriages, any sense of purity in their personal lives? Absolutely not. And if you idolize them, how do you not expect your life to also not 
represent and become like those peoples. How do you expect your life to be any different from theirs? Because those that trust in them will become like them. And so that is why it is necessary for us to, rather than just saying, okay, I cannot watch porn, then to just start digging and saying, okay, what are those idols in my life that I have hosted and I have loved in my life that are stealing God's place, that are stealing God's worship in from my heart? I'm going to get rid of those idols. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit baptize me right now. I'm going to let this man on fire take over my life. That, that I will come to that place where, where there, sh that there shall be no idols that will be tolerated in my life anymore. Come on, pray with me right now. Just, just forget everything else. Just forget the fact that there's even a stream. Just forget everything else. If you're driving, if you're doing something, just pause whatever you're doing and pray with me for a minute. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come against every spirit of idol worship. Every idols that are being exalted in our lives. They may be visible, large idols, or they may be invisible idols that are behind a hidden doorway. But I pray right now that as the fire of God falls upon your children, as the fire of God falls upon the people of God, that every idols shall be consumed in the mighty name of Jesus. That every idols shall fall face down before the person of Jesus. And even as that happens, I pray that we will have a deep personal encounter with this man of fire, with this consuming fire, so that we can worship you and only you, Holy Spirit, so that we can worship only you, Jesus, so that we can worship only this person of love, my Abba Father. Nobody else deserves that place. Only my Father in heaven deserves that place. Lord, even as your children, Manu and Mary, even as they lead this moment of of building a worship room. I pray that people will come into to shut themselves up from all kinds of distractions, all kinds of idols, and, and shutting themselves off of those things and sitting in the presence of God to receive from your presence and to receive from your touch. Oh God, we thank you for what you're doing. Oh God, we love you for what you're doing. We give you alone all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. If you are blessed, if God spoke something personal to you, do let us know in the comments. And we would be glad to pray for you and believe that this, will, this encounter will be your portion.